And welcome back, fourth and long fans. It's your 40 correspondent, Coach Dottie Hess here, back with another off-season footy supporter series. And ladies and gentlemen, I told you, I'm going to try to do some stateside fans this year. So this one's going to be just a tiny bit different than some of my AFL podcasts, so keep an eye on it. We are going to have a lot of fun. Ladies and gentlemen, coming to me from Perth, Western Australia, it is Nathan. Nathan, thank you for joining me on today's podcast. Thanks, Tom. Good to see you, Matt. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Let's jump right into it. I know this is a footy podcast, but I kind of like to know just the tiniest bit about the people that I'm chatting with outside of the game of footy. So just real quick bio on who you are and a little bit about yourself outside of the game of football. Oh, yeah, sure. I'm 50 years old. Um, I've um, got a wife and a, and a daughter uh, who's uh, nine. And um, I work night shift at a hospital, one of the major hospitals here in Perth. And uh, I've been doing that for oh, 22 years full time. And um, yeah, that's uh, I live in the south, live in the south part of Perth, uh, one of the southern suburbs. And uh, yeah, that's that's about it. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's get, let's get into why we're here. Yeah, sure. We're here to talk footy. So being in Western Australia, another footy mad state, I got to ask this question. What is your yeah. favorite thing about the sport of footy? Oh, uh, just that it's, you know, it's someone described it as reality TV, the best reality TV. And I think that's what I like about it. It's just so real and so much can happen in in a short time and the constant action and flow of it and um i find actually the players stories quite interesting as well like when you get to know some of the players and and um their backstories where they've come from what they've had to go through to get to uh the afl or um even the local leagues um the state leagues um it's actually quite interesting to me. Um, and all of those things combined together on a particular day can make for a, a huge amount of uh, action and excitement. Absolutely agree. It is a very interesting sport because there's never, never a shortage of fun and action at any time yeah. in, in a game of footy. So, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up. I, I want you to go back into your time frame a little bit. Can you remember yeah. your earliest footballing memory? Yeah, well, I actually started watching a little bit on TV with my dad when I was about eight years old, and um, but it wasn't until I got to the age of ten, year five at uh, primary school, what we call primary school over here, and um, my teacher was a former East Perth state uh player and um he implemented a footy tipping competition for all the kids in the class and that really ramped up my interest because i wanted to win that footy tipping competition and um so i started watching the local uh competition at the time this was 1982 um and um what we call the wafl or the waffle and um yeah, so I started watching games a lot and tipping teams to win. And I think it made my interest a great deal more because after five or six weeks, I was actually in the lead. So <laughs> so it continued to grow over the course of that year. Um, and um, yeah, yeah, that was my uh, first introduction to it. And then from there, it was about picking a team. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So should we get to this point again? Normally, this is where I ask the AFL club, but you're in Western, you're in Western Australia. So I'm going to ask you is we're talking state sides. What is your waffle side and why do you support them? Wow, that's a long answer. <laughs> um, yeah, so um I for, I, I reckon in the first five or six weeks of that 1982 season, I, sl I flipped between three or four different teams as a 10-year-old. You know, you're trying to figure out which team you like. And then um, about halfway through 1982, my cousins, uh, two girls and their mum, my auntie, invited me to a game between uh, West Perth and East Perth, which in those days was called uh, the Perth Derby. Or Derby, and it was you know, there was you'd get a good 20 to 25,000 people at those games, like they were massive, massive, massive. And um, I've actually got old footage of that match, and you couldn't move, like there was just 
people everywhere and the grounds are quite small here in the WAFL leagues. Um, so you can imagine fitting in twenty to 25,000 people in, in a ground in 1982. Um, but anyway, um, West Perth were playing East Perth um, and West Perth, the colours and the way they played, uh, the colours of West Perth are red and blue. And um, just the way they played, they played with a lot of style or with a lot of elegance and it really caught my eye. Um, my cousins were West Perth supporters as well, which probably helped. Um, and it was a really exciting finish and West Perth won the game. And I think from that moment on, I was hooked. I was absolutely hooked. <laughs> hey, that's, um, a, that's a great story. I mean, you, you never yeah. know what way it is that you, that you fall in love with your team. So, so you said you had some cousins. Were, were anybody else in your family West Perth supporters or were they different waffle side supporters? No, see, my family had all come from Sydney um, in Australia mm-hmm. um, and moved over to Perth. So they were all rugby league. Rugby league is, a, is the big sport in Sydney in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were all rugby league people. And um, so I never really, until this tipping comp at my school, never really had that much interest in uh, football, Australian rules. But, uh, yeah, once I saw a game live with that many people and the atmosphere and the excitement and everything, I, as I said, I was com- completely hooked. But there was no um, there was no relevance much to my family at all. My, as I said, my dad watched a little bit of Waffle when I was a bit younger than that, and I started watching a little bit of it on TV. But it was the it was the interest at school that um, that got me going. Interesting, and, and again, everybody everybody has different stories on that. And yeah, and, and being 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 a Sydney supporter, I, I I I'm constantly in contact with many Sydney people, and the NRL is king in Sydney. So 100 percent, it agree certainly with you is on that. So. so because I'm not, I don't know the state sides as well. And, and again, it's yeah. something that I'm working on getting into. So could you give me just a little history lesson on West Perth? Yeah, West Perth started in 1885, I think it was. And they were one of the first clubs that um, uh, began in the WFL competition. Um, and um they've always been known as kind of like um there was in this actually in the 50s and the 60s there was an influx of european immigrants into australia and um they tended to uh find that a lot of the italians and greeks and all of that tended to drift towards following west perth football club um and so they were known as the garlic munchers (laughs) <laughs> and um, <laughs> um, so there was this thing that grew with the club. The club's always been really, really successful. It's, um, I think it's won something like 20 or 30 premierships in that period from 1885. Um, they've always been reasonably competitive, had um, great players, and they've, they played all of their home games out of a place called Leadable Oval, which is in the north of Perth. Um, from 1885 right up until 1993, the end of 1993. And then they discovered, I think there was a push on from the local council in Leadable to turn the ground into a big car park. So they were kind of forced to move to Joondalup, which is really way north of Perth, some 30, 40 kilometres um, that was 1994. Uh, they're still there in Joondalup to this day. But um, quite interestingly, the council actually uh, overturned that thing um, after they'd actually left and established themselves in Joondalup about three or four years later. And the ground now still exists. Um, and it's the home ground of some of our arch rivals. Our main arch rival is East Perth who now have that as their home ground, <laughs> which to this day is actually really annoying for a lot of West Perth people. Um, and also another team, Subiaco, have that as their home ground as well. Um, but ironically, um, we've just played in a grand final on Leadable Oval in 2022, and uh, we've managed to win that grand final on Leadable Oval, which for the old-time West Perth supporters like myself, which was was quite nostalgic and wonderful, and there was tears and all sorts of things after the game. 
That is fantastic. That is fantastic. It's a little, a little bit of, huh, you just kind of chuckle at that. that that's awesome. Yeah. And, and, and I love seeing the, the history of the, of the clubs here. That's absolutely fantastic. So we'll, we'll go, we'll, we'll stay back in time a little bit with you personally. Yeah, please. Can you remember the first West Perth item that you ever were given or bought? Yeah, I think in 1983, I remember absolutely uh it was just me and my dad growing up he raised me by himself uh, um and um i was always begging him to take me to games because um you know i didn't know you know what else to do and i loved the football i was listening to it on the radio every week and um um i think eventually i got one of his mates to take me <laughs> to the game <laughs> and i was like 11 or something and um he bought me a scarf, a West Perth scarf, and um, I remember that very clearly. Uh, and uh, that was really nice of that guy to do that to drive me because it's a fair way from where we lived. It was a good twenty kilometres there, and another twenty kilometres back. Um, for him to do that off, you know, just out of the goodness of his heart, was a pretty amazing thing. And yeah, he bought me a scarf, and I remember um, every time I was listening to the radio on a Saturday in my room, listening to the game. Because um, back then, I think we only had like televised games like a, on a Saturday night for like an hour. Um, we'd have highlights. Um, so, um, yeah, it was all about listening to the games on the radio and uh, getting round the ground scores. And um, I always have that scarf on when I was listening to the game on the radio <laughs> up until I started going myself. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome fantastic i love those stories it's the little things sometimes yeah that you'd be surprised that you really stick out in your mind so yeah. um, I, this this next question for me i always love this because it's very interesting fandom is very different for everybody and i yeah. think sometimes it's it, it's die hard i know is thrown out uh, bandied about and some people think it's, it has a negative connotation so i like hearing people kind of describe their fandom shall we say so, yeah. so if you could just quickly can you describe your fandom for for west perth i mean is this one of those that every single week you're looking you're looking at the news stories you're trying to find out everything that you can the off season goes you're trying to see how the team can improve are you that or can you kind of shut it off for a bit it, how's kind of your fandom of west perth um well yeah, it's pretty full on. Like I'm always trying to find out more information about West Perth. I'm on their website a fair bit. Um, and uh, as much as I'm trying to, I try to get to games as much as I can. But there's that lag period over summer um, where you get that three months off where there's nothing happening, of course. And that tends to build my um, hunger and excitement again for it. So by the time that three or four months is over, I'm you know, desperate to get into the season. Can't wait like this time of year because the season starts in March and we're starting to get going again with all the information. I'm just, I'm the same with, you know, all my uh, football teams. I can't wait for March, April when it all kicks off. So, yeah, I'm always very, very interested in what's happening with West Perth and really, um, really on board with everything that's going on with them all the time. Even in summer, I've got my own... Um, I've got my own YouTube channel, which I'm putting, uh, I put videos on of West Perth and Sydney Swans and other teams. Um, but I also have like, um, uh, like my own history files, which I do lots of documentation describing, um, you know, what happened in this game and how I felt about this win. And um, so I keep a lot of uh, uh, files and stuff, which are really, really um immaculately organized so that you know if something ever happens to me someone will be able to read them and keep them and <laughs> so I'm my fandom is pretty full-on in that way I like to document what it all means to me so that um you know so that it's um really obvious to other people if you know what I mean <laughs> and fan there, there's no perfect way to fan everybody fans differently so it's just very interesting to see how how everybody does it differently and it's fantastic because yeah. you'll learn little things about how how kind of people do it and it's really fascinating because everybody does it differently nobody is exactly the same there, there are some people that they live and die. I mean, they if their team loses, they slam themselves in their own room. They don't want to talk to yeah. anybody. They bugger everybody. Get the heck away from me. <laughs> and then there's fans that literally 10 seconds after the game is over, they're perfectly fine. There's there's no emotional 
reaction everybody yeah. and there's everything in between which again yeah yeah fandom is it's a fickle and very interesting thing but i love it because it it, it gives that it gives a different kind of look at, at the way people look at it so we'll, we'll stay in the past just the tiniest bit can you remember the first game that you ever attended of west purse live yeah it was that one in 82 with the um with the cousins um mm. but then it evolved from there. As I said, um, I think in 83, I had that, uh, my dad's friend that drove me to a game. And then, um, yeah, it really developed from there in terms of uh, 1984. I remember all this stuff so clearly, like it was yesterday, <laughs> um, you know, and uh, yeah, that 84 and 85 was when it really began to kick off. Fantastic. That's absolutely okay. And, and this this will be interesting for me because I don't always know that, like I said, I don't know the state science as well. So I'd be very interested. Yeah. Can do you have a favorite player of the past for, for, for West Perth? And do you have a, a favorite player currently on their list? Um, well, there was a there was a guy by the name of Peter Managlio that used to play for West Perth, and he was always my favorite player. And I later became a um uh, a trainer with West Perth or what we would call a water boy or, mm -hmm. um, you know, type of thing. And um, I got to kind of uh, be out there on the ground with him every week, not in a playing capacity, of course, but, and got to know him a little bit. And it's one of those ones where you, they say never meet your heroes, but when I met this guy and spent time with him, I found that he was actually 10 times nicer and better than I expected. <laughs> Such a lovely fella. And um yeah, and uh, yeah, so Peter Managlio as a kid was probably uh, one of my favourites. Um, also another guy called Paul Mifka, who'll be very uh, familiar to West Perth supporters. Um, I ended up getting his number as number plates on my car, which I still have on my car to this day. <laughs> he's, number 30, I'm, he's number 37 um on uh, number plates as my car and actually it's quite a funny story i he's a policeman and um um as i said i was a trainer with west perth from i was from 89 to 93 and about 1999 i'm driving along the road come to a set of lights and this police car pulls up next to me and um the window comes down and i think oh my goodness what have i done i'm in trouble what have, mm -hmm. did i do something wrong and there's his head and he and he kind of remembered me because obviously he was playing when I was a trainer. And he said, I said, Paul, how you going? You know, and he and he said, he said, is that my number on your number plates? <laughs> uh... <laughs> and I said I said, yeah, it is. And he said, oh, you thieving bastard. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so we had, we had a really, really good laugh about that whole thing. It was it was quite funny. It's one of my treasured kind of memories. Uh, these days, um, yeah, there's, there's a couple of guys um, that uh, there's one guy who's, who's been around for a long time for West Perth, who's played for the last 10 or, 10 or so years by the name of Aaron Black, um, who just... I just love watching him play. He's just a little guy, but he's in and under all the time and getting the ball from the packs and just a really dogged and hungry and continues to um, be a great player uh, every week for our team. Even when we have bad games and we lose by 10 goals, you know, he's always been best players. He's just terrific. Awesome. It is, he's great. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm loving hearing, hearing these names. I'm definitely going to have to look up some of these players for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so I, I love this one because for me, everybody's got a different one. Everybody has a different yeah. reason for this. Most memorable moment as a West West. Oh, wow. Gee, there's so many. There's so many. Um, look, I think there was the one that stands out more than anything. Um, uh, and it's funny because I put this video on YouTube a while back and I wrote this huge, long description. Um, and as I was writing it, I was actually bawling my eyes out. I was so, <laughs> I was crying. I was, it was so real and like it was yesterday. Anyway, it was like around 13 in 1985 and we were playing a team um, that had not been beaten yet. In fact, not only had they not been beaten, no one was getting within a hair's breadth of them. Like we, uh, we were slightly a contender 
Um, you know, we were trying to get into the top four at the time, um, but we were kind of on the edges of it. But they were top of the ladder. They hadn't lost a game. They'd won 12 in a row. And, um, you know, I remember even thinking before the game started, I was like, now it's two buses and a train and it's about a two-hour trip there and then another two-hour trip back. Can I really be bothered? You know, this is the top team. No one's gotten within five or six goals of them. You know, I thought, I'm not even sure if I want to go. But then I thought, no, you know, if we do win or something, if it gets close, it'll be exciting, so I'll go. Anyway, um, I got to the game, uh, picked my favourite spot at this particular ground, Subiaco Oval, which uh, was at a neutral venue, venue, which I'm still not 100% sure today, while, you know, most games in the WAFL were always at one home ground, team's home ground or the other. But this one was at neutral in Subiaco Oval, which was the big ground um, for all the AFL matches and stuff later on. Um, so I picked my favourite spot there. And I think we got to about halfway through the third quarter and we were we were probably about, I think we were about 20-plus points behind. And, you know, all the West Perth supporters around me were just thinking, oh, you know, it's good mm-hmm. effort. They've tried really hard. It's probably just going to peter out and we'll lose by five or six goals or more. Um, and the other team, you know, in fairness, were playing better. And then all of a sudden we got a goal and then we got another one and then we got another one. And as we were going to the last quarter, we was, you know, less than a goal behind. And even none of us kind of dared to dream that we would actually win this game. Like, it was just phenomenal. And um, as the quarter went on and on, we got better and better. And I think the players grew a leg as well because they just started to think, oh, hang on, we could beat the team that hasn't been unbeaten here. Um, And there was this moment in the last quarter where um, we were all, everyone around me was so excited. They were pretty much all West Perth supporters. And um, we were like three points behind. There was probably about a minute or two left, not much. And... We were all watching the play and there was about 25, 30 players around the ball, about 60 metres out from our goal. And um, one of the West Perth players just managed to grab the ball and kick the ball forward and we were everyone kind of gasped. And then we looked and there was two of our guys sitting in the goal square by themselves. And we were like, and it was like everybody was so shocked because this was just <laughs> such a great defensive side. We were like, how does two of our guys get in the goal square by themselves? Mm-hmm. So they kind of looked at each other as the ball's coming down. as like, who's going to mark it and kick it? And then one left it for the other and the other kicked the goal. And the roar when this goal went through and we got in front. And then they, the other team had a kick after the siren to win the game and missed. Um, so we won the game. And um, uh, as I mentioned in the thing on YouTube when I wrote the passage, the... The scenes after the game were like we won a premiership. We hadn't actually won a premiership for 10 years at that stage and it was pretty much like winning a premiership. But that's the one that stands out the most. That is fantastic. Those are those are the ones, those those one games that just you, you can't you can just close your eyes and you can see every yeah. bit of it. Those yeah. those are the ones <laughs> it, it, whether it's a premiership, whether it's a regular season, whether it's a finals game, those are the ones I love because you just close your eyes and you can see everything about it. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. So I, I think you kind of already brought this up a little bit, but we're, we're going to go through West Perth's season a little bit. Kind of yeah. thoughts on last season, because I think you said, did they win a premiership last year? Yeah, they won the premiership. They'd actually been um, they'd actually been up there a fair bit for the last 10 years. And um, they won before in 2013. Um, and then, you know, they kind of hung around third, fourth, fifth spot for the last eight or nine years. I think they made a couple of grand finals in that, but just got absolutely pounced, uh, pantsed and, and completely flogged. Um, so, yeah, last year they were kind of thereabouts. And then there was talk about halfway through the year that they would play the grand final at Leaderville Oval, which, as I said, was our own old home ground. And once again, I think the players kind of, you know, there's a lot of history attached to Leaderville Oval. I'll tell you a funny story, actually. That um, obviously, when I mentioned before that when we left Leaderville Oval in 1993, at the end of 1993, uh, there was a fair bit of angst that we had to leave. A lot of old time West Perth people were pretty upset about the whole thing, and and uh, some of that still carries over to t- today. But I remember catching a bus. I think it was about 2001 
and I got on the bus and there sitting there in one of the seats is like one of the all time, I won't mention his name, but one of the all time legendary West Perth players. Like, and I just couldn't resist. Like I just sat right next to him and I just said, mate, tell me some stories. Like, just tell me some stories. And eventually when we, when, when it got back to, um, uh, back to bottom line, it ended up being all about how upset he was that, that we didn't play at Leadville Oval anymore because he'd grown up playing there. And, um, yeah, so going back to Leadville Oval to play a grand final there was huge for the club and uh, really, really massive. And as I said, for the old timers, it really pulled on a lot of heartstrings. And so to win the flag there, um, it was a massive day in September uh, 2022. So, yeah, I've actually got the shirt on uh, here, which is the Premier's 2022 Westbirth yeah, Falcons. That, that is awesome. <laughs> I, I was, I was like, I think I said I, that's what I thought it was. And I, I think you had also said it <laughs> in your story that because they had won an elitable oil oval. That is fantastic. Yeah, and it's, and it's hard to get any better than that. So, so because I don't know the state sides as much, kind of yeah. how was your off season a little bit? Is there? I mean, I know we we know the AFL. They have their drafts, so, so there's definitely WA boys that get thrown into the draft. So, yeah. kind of, what is the off season like for the waffle? I mean, is there is there actually a draft, or is it a little bit like almost like soccer, where you've got like academies and you've got youth kids that just come up and join West Perth? Educate me just a little bit on kind of what the off season is like. Is there trades? Kind of how how does the waffle do their off season? Yeah, it's all a lot more low key, as you can imagine. It's um, that, excuse me, there's no draft or anything. Um, but what happens is you get a lot of players delisted by the AFL, mm-hmm. and um, the waffle is very quick to try and jump on those guys. Like try and every team is looking at which players are delisted by the AFL, and are trying to get them on their on their list. Um, there's a fair bit of movement in the waffle between teams. Like uh, a lot of players will kind of go, you know, I'll move from Subiaco to South Fremantle or or one of the other teams, or you know. And there's a fair bit of movement, um, but it's all, you know, uh, none of it's kind of uh, as publicised. Um, and there's no draft, and there's no kind of. Uh, not not that much in the news. A lot of the time you'll get to a new season and you'll see a guy playing for a team and you'll go, oh, okay, I didn't even know he'd moved teams. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, but those those guys that are delisted by the AFL are pretty much gold for the waffle administrators at their clubs. Like they're the ones they're chasing straight away. As soon as they know that a guy hasn't got an AFL contract and he's not wanted, um, but also, you know, the uh, in South Australia, there's the SANFL, which is the South Australian um, uh, State League. And uh, there's the VFL, which is the Victorian State League, the Tasmanian one, uh, State League, and obviously the West Australian one. And they're all chasing these guys. So there's a fair bit of competition to try and get some of these players Um uh, to the waffle teams or to the state teams. Um, obviously, if that oh, <coughs> excuse excuse me, let me just have some water. <laughs> oh, that's better. <laughs> yeah, if there's some uh, if there's some guy that's been drafted from the waffle initially and he's come from WA, then I've obviously got a leg up. In uh, trying to get him back to WA to play for one of the uh, one of the teams here. Yeah. So, all right. So it's uh, basically it's kind of the tear down. So that makes makes absolutely makes sense. So, all right. Yeah. We'll we'll, we'll, go, we'll go to it. I, I tell people, coming off a premiership, it, it's hard to get better because you can't really yeah. do much better it than is. a premiership. So, and, yeah. and I'm one of those that I hate the word expectation because it, it puts this like you expect something. I'm kind of a hope guy. So kind of what are your thoughts for next season for West Perth? Do you think they can go back to back or will it be tough? Will it be tough knowing there's going to be a target on West Perth back? Yeah, I think that uh, back-to-back is the hardest thing in football, I think. Uh, winning a back-to-back premiership, it's proven over the years to be very, very tough in AFL, in state leagues, in uh, every type of comp. Um, so I think we've got a good list of players. We've got a good list there that can do the job. But I'm a big believer as well that if you haven't won a premiership for a while and then you win one, it's actually even harder because they've, you know, they've, 
and there would have been a fair bit of celebration involved in <laughs> winning that premiership and uh, getting that because there was a lot of uh, guys that have been around the club for a long time. The coach had actually um, of West Perth had actually uh, helped win a premiership with us in 1995, which was our first. He was the captain when we won the premiership in 1995, uh, which was a 20-year drought at the time. Um, he had later on gone and coached West Perth. Something happened there and it didn't work. And then he went to coach Claremont um, Football Club. And then he had come back to coach West Perth. And ironically, in the grand final in 2022, West Perth were playing his old team, Claremont, that he'd coached. So there would have been a fair bit of celebration here from the coaching uh, panel, from the players. And um, I always think it's the, the thing that's difficult to measure for players when they're coming off a premiership is their hunger level. They think they've got the hunger to win another premiership, but they, you know, it's never as great as when you haven't won one for a while. And they, I think a lot of people delude themselves into thinking, oh, yeah, you know, we're still at the same level of hunger we were last year. But to actually have that level is is something else and something difficult. So I think it's going to be tough, but, um, yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, hey, it's hard to get, but it's hard to get better than that. But if you got a good team, you never, you never know how it's going to yeah. go. So, so I love this. This next question is going to be really, really fun because I've done this with the AFL side. So I'm fascinated to see how this goes here. I'm going to install you as the list manager for West Perth. I'm going to let you have a little bit of fun here. <laughs> if you could bring in any player from the waffle, from any of the other, uh, any of the other sides to kind of help round mm -hmm. out West Perth. Who would be that player and why? Um, probably there's a guy at Claremont by the name of Jai Bolton who's won the uh, Sandover medal, which is the best and fairest player in the waffle every year wins the Sandover medal. Uh, Jai Bolton's won it once or twice, I think, and he's just an absolute gun. Um, uh, just great extractor of the ball from stoppages and centre bounces and um, I would love every time I see him play for Claremont, I think just I'd love to have this guy on our side. So he's probably the one of the main ones. Um, but yeah, often you look at other teams and have a bit of jealousy at some of their players. <laughs> you just never know. But the one thing is to to appreciate somebody's skill from another team. Like I love when fans have just that much as appreciation for another player's skill and their ability. So I love yeah. it. So. Anybody that watches this channel knows I am a huge advocate for women's footy. I, I think women's yeah. footy needs the investment. I think some of these girls sometimes I think go after the footy even harder than some of the men do. So I ask yeah. this, do you support, does, does West Perth have a women's side? And if so, do you support them? Yeah, I do. Um, I probably don't keep as keen an eye on them as the men's team. Um, but I, yeah, I, keep a little bit of an eye on them. They have the scores up on the uh, website and on the app uh, quite often. And I keep an eye on it. Um, I'd love to get more into it um, and more into the women's side of things. The WAFL has a women's competition. So I think just about all of the 10 teams are represented. So um, um, yeah, that's a developing side of things in the Australian rules football game. And I really hope that it uh, gets a lot more traction and gets a lot more interest because, um, as you said, it's terrific to see the women involved. And um, it's no less entertaining watching the women than it is the men, I find. Well, and especially for me, I, I'm a huge, like I said, I watch AFLW, I cover it. It is a yeah. different, it is a different game. It is a vastly yeah. different game. So there's different yeah. intricacies to it that I, I enjoy because I think sometimes the women have to play it just a little bit differently than the men do. And yeah. I think it makes it that much more interesting because there, there is the fact that they have to be much more tactical sometimes because the kick isn't going to be as long again. It's, it's physiology. Yeah, right. It is. There are women that can outkick men. There's, there's, I will say that. Yeah. And, and some men might. Um, get mad about it but you know what it's honest there are some women that can outkick men so but the ability for them and they go hard at the footy and they don't care absolutely love it so i i thoroughly enjoy it i really want to support it so that's fantastic that there is the women's side there and that you're that you're willing to keep an eye on it so yeah. 
this may be a stateside question, but I gotta, I gotta ask because I cover yeah. AFL, I cover AFLW. Who is your AFL side and why? Oh, Sydney Swans. <laughs> I was brought up, um, as I said, with just my dad and me. Um, and my dad always uh, waxed wax lyrical about Sydney um, and coming from Sydney. And I was just a baby when he brought me over here to Perth. Um, but this kind of um, connection with Sydney grew um, in me as a boy and as I got older. Um, and in 1982, when I was 10, um, South Melbourne uh, Football Club became the Sydney Swans. Um, so it kind of coincided with me uh, being interested in football. And I went, oh, Sydney has got a team. Um, I'll start following them in the VFL, back then the VFL. Um, back then it was all about the waffle until the West Coast Eagles came in in 1987. Um, and then it became all about uh, uh, all about the West Coast Eagles and the AFL. But before then, the VFL was a very much secondary comp in Perth. Mm -hmm. It was the waffle was, WAFL was massive, 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 as I said before, getting 20, 25,000 to a uh, Perth Derby and the Fremantle Derby was the same and um, massive crowds to the waffle. And it wasn't until the West Coast Eagles came in in 87 that um, that kind of altered a little bit. But uh, yeah, so Sydney Swans um, uh, became my team and that uh, grew a lot. Um, I copped a fair bit of flack living in Perth, being a Sydney <laughs> Swan supporter. Well, especially, um, I'm thinking never... 05, 06 might have been interesting with their little rivalry yes, that they had well, for those uh, few going years. Back, yeah, going back even further than that, the first year was 87, as I said, uh, when the Eagles came in. And uh, the first time I actually got to see the Sydney Swans live uh, when they came here to Perth to play the West Coast Eagles in round three um, was very early on in the season. And I remember sitting there in 1987, uh, round three, and I reckon it was me and maybe two other Sydney Swan supporters in like 40,000 people. Um, and I got things thrown at me and abused, and I was 13 years old. Like, I still <laughs> cannot, I still cannot believe the reactions that I caught that day anyway. Um, but, um, but just the excitement of seeing Sydney Swans live as a 13 year old boy, never having seen them live before. Um, and um, but um, I think that that a lot of, you know, a little bit as a kid, um, when the Eagles came in, I was tossing up, oh, maybe I should change to the West Coast Eagles. When that happened that day, I was like, I'm never changing to the West Coast Eagles. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. And anybody that listens to my podcast, they know I'm a Sydney Swan. I am a huge Sydney Swan supporter myself. Absolutely <laughs> adore the club. I, I think their history with, with South Melbourne is something that really made me fall in love with it. And it's just fascinating. So I, I love that. It will kind of go off the previous question a little bit too. AFLW, yeah. AFLW, the Swans started their season. Did you keep an eye yeah. on the team this year? Kind of what were your thoughts? I know no wins. I understand that. Yeah. But I saw progression <laughs> and I saw a lot of things that I'm super, super excited to see, especially some young players like Montana Ham, Cynthia Hurley, and so uh, Sophia Hurley and Cynthia Hamilton. Yeah. I think Hamilton, are going to be yeah. a ton of fun to yes, watch. Yes, yes, I agree. Yeah, I must admit, when I first heard, me and my daughter had all, as I said, she's nine. And like, since she's about four or five, you know, she's been watching Sydney Swans games with me. And um, she was always like, why isn't there a girls team, Daddy? Why isn't there a girls team? You know, and so as soon as they announced that they were doing a girls team, we were both so excited. And we like jumped on and became members of the girls, AFLW uh, Swans as straight away and um, uh, we sit down and watch every game from start to finish, like really intensely. Those couple that they lost by like a couple of points, especially that one to Hawthorne when they were like 28 up, kicked five goals in 15 minutes and then lost. We still can't believe to the, this day that happened, but, um, but it was so exhilarating watching the girls team. And like you said, there's different tactics and different things involved. Um, and learning about those tactics is, is, thoroughly fascinating um just learning about the differences and um yeah so it's a great thing to share with my daughter and um i love doing that she loves doing that and um yeah 
you know, all of these losses, as I always say, is going to make the wins and the premiership when it comes all the more sweeter. 100% agree with you. So we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to stay one more Swans question before we, we go to some yeah. fun ones at the end, because I got, I have to ask this question as a Swan supporter, yeah. buddy Franklin's thousandth goal. What were you do? What were you doing when the goal <laughs> went through and how did you react? Well, once again, it was a huge family thing. We were all at home here. Um, and, um, I wanted to document it for my YouTube channel. Um, I wanted to document our reactions and, and everything because it was such a big thing for so many people. Um, so we were all in the lounge room and, uh, you know, 996, 997, 998, 999. And uh, we were jumping around and, and it was it was very exciting. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know if it'll ever happen again. I hope it does, but... Um, uh yeah seeing and buddy's been such an amazing player for the swans and and for hawthorne and give it so much and this whole debate about buddy with you know has he been worth it even though he hasn't won a premiership with the swans i mean you know his value to the club is so much more than just a premiership i you know i had this dream it was funny because i had this dream for years that at the end of his 10-year contract at the end of 2022 we'd make a grand final and he'd kick the winning goal um, and we got to the grand final, but unfortunately it didn't work out that way. <laughs> and he's going to go on next year anyway. So, um, but uh, yeah, it was an amazing experience, wasn't it, for everyone? Um, I think everyone watching felt a part of it, even though they weren't at the game. Um, it was just such an amazing thing. Well, I, I've told I've told this story on a few podcasts, and I know some of some of my regulars are gonna they're gonna put their ear fingers in their ears because I've heard this story before. <laughs> but I'll tell you my story. Because I'm in the States, the game started at 4.45 a.m. my time on a Friday, oh, wow. on a Friday night. I work yeah. early. I work at 6 a.m. and I was working from home. So I had my iPad underneath my computer monitor. Yeah. My bosses aren't listening, thank God, or they'd get mad at me for <laughs> watching something. But when 1,000 went through, I had the most surreal moment because it is 6.30 in the morning. I can't yell. I can't scream. I can't <laughs> run around. You hold it so in. I am pumping my fist to the side with no sound because I can't say anything. My my partner's, sleep, my partner's sleeping in the condo that we're in. I'm in a condo complex. So I've got three neighbors. I can't wake them up. I can't go nuts. I can't go running. So it was the most surreal moment of my life because I'm sitting here celebrating because I agree with you. I don't think this is going to happen again. As much as I would love to see somebody kick a thousand, I just don't see the way the game is played and defended nowadays. I just don't see it happening. So to be able to take this in and enjoy this moment and to see the fans run onto the field and then all the stories, somebody spreading their Nan's ashes, somebody having a, somebody asking their fiance or getting engaged on the field. The (laughs) fact that two of the players accidentally went outside the ground because they got lost all the stories. And I agree when I, when I had, I had a, had a fun chat with Jude Bolton. It's like the number of people that are going to say that they were there is just going to keep, it's going to be one. million it's going to be one million in the next 10 years that are all going to say i was there when it was only what thirty thousand thirty thousand twenty eight twenty seven thirty thirty thousand people that were actually at the ground there so it's just this surreal moment that though i'm thirteen thousand kilometers away in, in the central part of iowa way away from sydney i still had the chance to enjoy that moment knowing that it may never ever yeah happen again so it's a cherished memory of mine again and i had i had mates that were at the game that sent me videos i had pictures sent on my facebook messenger and my twitter messenger like donnie i have to send you this picture like people were taking (laughs) selfies on the ground so they they it's a special moment for me because it was really cool to see my favorite player yes even when he was at hawthorne he was my favorite player buddy franklin his thousandth goal in the Swans Guernsey and to be able to yeah. celebrate it. And thankfully, nobody got hurt. Nobody got injured. Yes. Everything went through. Yeah, that was so important. Yeah. It was terrifying there for a bit. Yeah. When, he, when, he, when like there's 20 minutes has already passed. And yeah. He's halfway through the ground. Thankfully, yeah. a couple of yeah. really good Samaritans were able to get him back to the race. He was able to kind of celebrate with his teammates. And they eventually got the game going, though. I think most people after about 
after that goal went through, most people cannot remember the end of the game because yeah, yeah. yeah it took forever to get it yeah. restarted. I think it was like 45 minutes. It was in, yeah. insane how long it took. So it, it's a very treasured memory for me. So yeah. that that's awesome. <clears throat> to find that out so we'll, we'll jump to a few fun questions for me I, I love these type of ones is that you're you're with you being in perth uh, you had the yeah. great experience of the grand final in 21 and 20 were outside of victoria for the first ever twine 21 oh, yeah. being yeah. in the gaba and 20 and 20 and 21 being in perth so as a perth as as a perth person currently the MCC has the 50 year contract. So again, I'm kind of, I'm going to kind of pie in this guy here. Do you think the grand final should be almost like the U.S.'s Super Bowl, where it's a traveling grand mm -hmm. final? Or do you like the fact that the grand final is at the MCG? There's a little bit of tradition there. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I'm a traditionalist. I think it should stay at the MCG. I think that it's, I know that's not going to be very popular with Perth people, <laughs> uh, but. <laughs> Um, but uh, I totally believe that's where it should be every year. Uh, neutral ground, uh, mostly. I mean, um, I just don't. Uh, the other thing about interstate uh, grand finals is that what happens is um, you get a whole bunch of people who go, oh, the game's here in Perth or in Brisbane or whatever, and go, oh, the grand final's an event. Let's go. But they're not necessarily really interested in football at all. Mm -hmm. At least the corporates that are there in Melbourne still probably follow a team and mm -hmm. they follow, you know what I mean? And they 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 love the game. Uh, whereas the corporates you get at a ground, you're going to get half as many people, like if you come to Perth, because the mm -hmm. ground doesn't hold as much or at the Gabba. Um, but a lot of people are just going in the other states because it's an event not because they actually want to be there. Like when the game was here in Perth, um, you know, good luck trying to get a ticket. I mean, mm. it was just sold out so quickly. And the talk everywhere you went was, are you going to the grand final? And then you would talk to people and they go, oh, I got tickets, I got tickets. And then you talk to them and they go, you know, oh, which team do you go for? And they go, oh, I don't really follow AFL, you know, um, mm -hmm. but they're going to the game. So that really that kind of annoyed me a little mm -hmm. bit because I was like, you know, you've actually taken the ticket away from somebody that loves the game um, mm -hmm. and has a team and all of this sort of thing. So I think you get a lot more of that when you go outside of Melbourne as well. And I think that, um, you know, Melbourne is the traditional place, 100,000 people. What the other thing, uh, if I can throw another annoying thing in there, they had an opportunity in Perth after they decided to not play to build a new stadium. They had an opportunity in Perth to build a bigger stadium, and they've built one with a capacity of maybe ten or fifteen thousand more than what they had before, which showed to me a bit of a lack of foresight. I thought, you know, if you're going to build a stadium, uh, as everyone raves about how good the stadium is, but it does have its negatives. Um, uh, if you're going to build a new stadium here in Perth and you want to compete with the big boys in Melbourne or whatever, then you need to build a 100,000 stadium, you know. Um, and that was the other thing. Like, if you want the grand final often, then you need to build a stadium that's big enough. And the government didn't have the foresight to do that. So I kind of went, oh, you know, um, you can't expect to have the grand final a lot in other states when you're not going to have the same capacity and the same level of interest from people who are diehard footy supporters, if you know what I mean. No, it makes complete sense. It, everybody's different. I, I know that for many, many Victorians, it's almost a visceral reaction. And again, I, I don't, I don't say that in, in a negative way. I actually respect the passion and love the passion for it. And yeah. some of the, some of the outer state ones, they're a little bit more amenable to it, but I, I mean, it, it's a great point there that, that it does kind of come off as it, it's almost a spectacle. Like they want to go yeah. like, almost like the Super Bowl a little bit. It's almost the glitz and yeah. glam. It's not really about the game. It's yeah, just yeah. about having the chance to be there. So it yeah. does take away from the footy fan that really wants to go to see a grand final that most people don't get to go see a grand final. Yeah, that's most right. people don't yeah. have that luxury. So the fact that you get, a glamour fan shall we say that's not really there for the game gets to go it, it does kind of 
but it's it's a good way of looking at it and it's just a different way. So we'll we'll go to next season in the AFL and stay with it. They've announced the gather round again, stealing the MR, NRL's yeah. magic round and and stapling on their own different name to it. Whether whether or not I like gather round, I'm still not 100% <laughs> sure, but we're going to have all nine games in South Australia. Yeah. Kind of what are your thoughts on this? I'm I'm I don't mind it. I think the fixture is a little wonky. I think there's some games that I think I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There they are. So, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of iffy on it. Would you, would you think about going to, to gather round at all? And and what are your thoughts on gather round? Um, I would love to go and see all nine games in a round, to be honest. So when I I said to my wife, if this happens in Perth, I'm, you know, I'm going to all nine games. (laughs) (laughs) And apparently there's a good chance that it might be in Perth in 2024. So, um, but yeah, if it wasn't so expensive to get over with flights and accommodation and everything, I'd love to go. But your point is well made there because I remember James Brayshaw, who's spent a lot of time living in South Australia, uh, from Triple M, who said that um, uh, you couldn't really have that in South Australia because, you know, some of those other grounds are actually really, really small. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you can't have all nine games at Adelaide Oval, obviously. Um, but they went ahead and they've fixed some of those games at some of those really small grounds. So that'll be interesting to see how it goes. But I'm a huge fan of it. I think it's a great idea. I think it's... Um, you know, anything that gives us more AFL, I'm all for. Um, and <laughs> I think it'll I think it'll work a treat as well. I think um people will really get into it. Yeah, I'll be fascinated to see how how SA fans do they do they show up to some to these games because my one worry is is that South South Australia did all this to get this first one. And then if nobody, if none of the South Australian locals go to the games except for the port and the Adelaide game. I, I'd be worried it puts a little bit of a damper on something sure. that they, they screamed about wanting to have there. So I hope the yeah. local the locals go to the games yeah, just just to be just to be sure. I, I'm hoping I think they will, but because I think they will mad. too. Oh, they're, they're footy. I mad, think also but... too. Uh, the other point with that is that um, remember that when they had the women's grand final a few years ago, they got like. 50,000 people. I think you've got got a lot of people in Adelaide who just love the game, Mm -hmm. um, not necessarily love their team. And and so I think a lot of those um, games will be, I think, will be pretty well patronised. I I agree with you, and I really hope they do because I think it, I think it would be great not only for tourism in SA, but just just to show the love yeah. for footy in in South Australia, which again it's a footy mad state, just like W, just like WA, and just like Victoria, footy is king in those states. So some of my last questions for me is a little bit of research, as I told many people, I've sure. never been to Australia. It is on my bucket yeah. list. I am going to go. The thing though is I've got so many mates in all the different parts. Like I'd almost like have to spend a month just to be able to get to see everybody. I've got friends in WA. I've got friends in Queensland. I've got friends in SA. I've got friends in Sydney. I've got friends in Victoria. I swear. I think I'd have a couch to crash in in every single state (laughs) if I, if I went. So, so I'm, I'm doing some research and I'm taking some notes down. So it's the, a little bit of an American in me. When you go to the footy, what's your go-to food? Oh, you know, without doubt, pine sauce, like, um, you know, I know that's hard to kind of understand in America, <laughs> but um, yeah, we love our, our meat pies and, um, and sauce and like a Coke or something. So um, yeah. And, you know, maybe a hot dog or whatever, but um, yeah, first go-to is always a pie and sauce at the football. Um, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, I'll, and I'll tell I'll tell you this. I don't know if you've seen it on my Twitter, but every the, the last couple of years for the grand final, I make homemade Aussie meat pies for the grand final specifically. Oh, wow. cool. Just just to be able to have that a little bit of Aussie experience. Unfortunately, yeah, you don't get a lot of Aussie beers up here, so it's like I can't have a sure. beer in pie, a beer in a pie. So it's not, and I'm not going to rock the Fosters because I've been told by many Australians <laughs> that's not terrible. Don't do it. Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've, I've don't argued the Fosters. I've, I've been nice about that, but it, I've it's it was it's been so much fun because I even had I had a a WA friend of mine go, mate, you need a passport for this. Like you you're going all out, like you're going full Aussie, making the Aussie meat pies for it. So I it's I agree. I've been told that 
it's they're the ones that you bite in and you burn your tongue because that yes. and parts of it's cold, yes. parts of it's like bloody yes. hot. So, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to it. I would definitely probably have myself a four and twenty pie while I'm down there. So, and the other the other thing that I gotta ask is when you go to the footy, where is your ideal place to sit? I'm trying to find the best uh, place to sit to watch the uh, footy when I go. There's only one place to sit for me, and that is right level with the center bounce like in the middle a lot of people say behind the goals and all this sort of thing but i actually find that when you're behind the goals it's you know the other end is too far away um Mm. i want to see both ends equally and um i even um you know living in perth you'll find this probably funny but um i went to i flew over to sydney for a game in 2013 and then randomly got a seat that was so perfect like it was that I actually rang the swans two days later on the Monday and I said can I have that seat like I mean I might only go to one game every two years and fly over mm-hmm. but I want that seat so um, I like bought that seat and became like whatever le- level of member where it was like you know thousand dollars a year mm-hmm. um just to keep that seat because it was such a great seat where you could see both sides equally in the stand there. And um, so, yeah, I kept that for like six or seven years. <laughs> and I only think I went to five or six games in that time. So, um, but yeah, there's only one place to sit for me and that's where you can see both ends equally. Uh, Ray, uh, kind of, I mean, if it's ground level, that's fine too, but uh, where you're raised up in the stand to be not too high because then it's nosebleed stuff. But um, you know, where you're about half where you're about halfway up, so then you've got a beautiful view of everything that happens. Yeah, that second I think that's the most common answer is the second level in either midfield or the wing. I think yeah. have been the two most popular ones because they say yeah. that you can see the entire ground, you can see the plays go, but you're not they said the only bad part is they said when you get to the ground level, it's hard to see the opposite side of the field. You can hear the hits, yes. you can hear yes kicking the footy but you can't see the farther side yes. of the field without yes. a little bit of help that's so, true. so that's that's been the common answer and then the, the last question that i asked this it just because i love this you never know what you're going to get favorite game of footy you have ever seen live on television at the ground favorite game of footy you have ever seen oh my goodness well i'm sorry this is a long well probably be a bit of a long story but um I had never been to a grand final, never been to a grand final. And it was January 2012. And my wife said to me, she said, I want to get you a really great present this year. And it's your 40th birthday this year, 2012. She said, I want to take you to the grand final. And you'd never been, I'd never been to one. And I was just blown away. I was just like, this is going to be great. I've never been to a grand final. This is so exciting. My wife is uh, Albanian, so she's kind of adopted AFL, Mm -hmm. but um, it's not really something that she's majorly into. But anyway, um, she uh, has adopted it because I love it, of course, and Emily loves it, my daughter. So um, cut a long story short, but as you know, as the year goes on, we just keep winning and winning and winning and winning. And, you know, we booked this in January and I was like, I don't care who's playing. I'll just great mm-hmm. to see grand final. Um, and as the year went on and on and on, um, we, I couldn't believe we kept winning. I mean, we were projected that year to maybe make the finals just. If we did make the finals, it would be only just. And um, just the way the cards fell in that season, like, playing Adelaide in the first week of the finals in Adelaide, they were the one team out of all of the other team in the eight that I went, yeah, we can beat them on their home ground. Mm-hmm. And then we hadn't been Collingwood in the, we hadn't been Collingwood for 10 years and we we're playing them at home in the preliminary final. And I went, we are due to beat Collingwood. We're going to beat them. <laughs> we haven't beaten them for so long. This is the day. And then the game, I mean, that game to be up by 28, they kicked five goals in a heartbeat to get back in front in the third quarter. Um, when Hale kicks that goal and then 10 points in front, you know, early in the last, you're thinking the game's gone here. 
Um, then Buddy misses all those shots. Um, and then to kick the last four and win that game. And my first grand final. And um, there was a bit of conjecture about the with the people around us about how much time was left in that mm-hmm. game. Because nobody actually knows, because it's not like TV where you get the countdown clock. You don't at the game, you have no idea. Um, so when Adam Goods kicked that goal and we were seven in front, it was 85 to 78. I've got it memorized. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 85 to 78. All the people around us were saying, there's like a minute to go. There's a minute. And I just absolutely lost my shit. I was bawling my eyes out, like, because I was so happy that mm-hmm. we were going to win the grand final. And then someone throws in, like, no, 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 there's like seven minutes to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and ultimate I'm, high I'm, back down. I've low. completely <laughs> lost it already. Like, we've already won the game. And, uh-huh. like, I'm, and that just, I was like, oh my goodness, surely we can't lose it from here. Like, it's a 12 month kind of excitement thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for Malcheski to kick that goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just the most exhilarating thing of all time um and anyone who's a swan supporter will tell you the same who was at the ground or, or watching on tv for that matter so um to not win one for 72 years 2005 was pretty amazing as well like i had a group of people at my house who were all legal supporters so to actually win that game was great as well <laughs> um but um, but I think 2012 was pretty amazing to actually be there. And, and when, you know, I just was happy whoever made the grand final. And then for Swans to not only make it, but win in the way they did, that was just a dream come true. That is fantastic. And the crazy part is, is I will 100% honest, some people will say it's a bandwagon. I think 2012 was one of the things that solidified me as a Swan supporter, legit. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I've told a few people this. I said, I, when I've been asked, why are you a Swan supporter? Why did you choose the Swans? I said, I said, there's actually two highlights and then one game. The two highlights were Nick Davis in 2005 in the, oh, in the, wow, in yes. the four goals. Like, because I was just getting, I was like, I, I just had started playing for the Des Moines Roosters here in in Des Moines. Oh, yeah. And I wanted to watch highlights. And there were two highlights that almost always came on. The Leo Barry mark in the 2005 grand final to solidify the win and to end the 72-year drought. And Nick Davis's four goals in the game against the against the Cats in the, yeah. in the, in the semifinal. And they just, the atmosphere. The, in both of those games and, and the eruption when Nick Davis kicks his fourth goal and the place goes absolutely bonkers. Like there is yep. nobody sitting still. People are yep. crying. This is absolutely oh, going nuts. But then the fact, like I kept seeing these highlights and I'm like Sydney Swans. And I've always been somebody I've said this many times. I pick teams with unique nicknames. I hate being just, well, I'm I'm in Des Moines. Lions I'm close to Minneapolis. Is... I'm going to pick the Vikings. I don't do that. Yeah. Like, I'm one of those. Yeah. I want a unique nickname. I want something a little odd. And the Swans caught my eye. And it was like, and then watching 2012, the gritty, blue-collar, tough, tackling, yeah, gritty totally. style that they played. I mm. was like, it, this is me. This is my, like, it, sure. it really fit my personality and kind yeah. of the, yeah. as I say here in, in Iowa, the Midwest life. I mean, we're very blue collar, very hardworking. So it, it just, it connected with me. And then for yeah. them to win and to do it in, in a game that was so exhilarating back and forth yeah. and back and forth, <laughs> I was, was like, that did it. That legitimately that 2012 grand final did it. And some people was, you're a bandwagon. No, I said, no, I no. stayed after that grand final. I became a fan. I started watching all these videos. I started studying South Melbourne. I started looking about when they moved up to Sydney in 82, the teams, how many years that they had such crap teams that they couldn't win a yeah. game. And then yeah. how, the coaching finally came in and they finally started getting a few stars and then plugger comes up and things start yeah. changing. And yeah. it was just like the, the, the renaissance of South slash Sydney 
and then 2005 and just the emotion of ending a 72 year drought it was like yeah. that did it like legitimately that did it so the fact you say 2012 i still have that game on my computer i watch it at least <laughs> once a year I, yes, I, I will never get rid of it i will never stop it and the fact that yeah. Kim, dennis committee and Bruce McAvaney are calling that game both in that game and the legends that they are. And yeah. cometh the moment, cometh the champion that oh, Bruce yeah, McAvaney what a great line. says yeah. when, when Goods kicks that goal. I yeah. rewind that and hear yeah, him yeah. say that three or four times. When I watch the game, I have to rewind it. Cometh the moment, cometh the champion. Rewind, cometh the moment. I do it at least two or three times because I have to hear that call. Yeah. And to see Goods' reaction when they win the grand final and he drops to his knees and he heard he tore his pace his PCL in the game, but he still yeah, drops to his knees and celebrates yeah. in the in the center square. Yeah. Done. I was I was a Swans fan. I became an international member in 2016. As I say to many people, I have never right. regretted that decision ever. The Swans yeah. supporters have have welcomed me with open arms. Yeah. And right. I, and I, I I've said it. That game is really the reason I became a Swan supporter, and I've not ever regretted that decision ever. So <laughs> that's that's cool for you to say that because it, it just it makes me smile because it really was. Yeah. That was the first grand final that I sat there and I went, I really need to pick a team. And there I get it. I get the team yeah. right then and there. So right, now that we've went on memory lane there, Nathan, this has been an absolutely fantastic chat again. Thank you for letting me learn a little bit about a stateside in West Perth. I will definitely keep an eye on West Perth this year and, and see what it is to be a West Perth man. It is absolutely fantastic. Thank you for sharing your stories with me, sir. No worries. Uh, um, this has been fantastic. Anytime, mate. Good to talk to you. And um, if you ever want a part two, there's plenty more stories. <laughs> awesome, awesome. I will. And we we may actually look into that. Definitely for sure. The worst case scenario, you and I should have a video chat and just and just you yeah, can share some totally. stories with me, Absolutely. even if it's not recorded. So, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for another episode of my off season supporter series. Keep an eye out. I have more waffle supporters. I have sample supporters, and I have even I'm working on a few VFL supporters to try to get more state sides in i've got my afl supporters as you can see many still to come keep an eye out i'm gonna get us to march to the afl regular season so we've got some footy talk now until the season gets started right. we will be back very very soon with some more episodes in my donnie's supporters off-season supporter series